I'm excited to give you a, a good word this morning. Um, it's a little bit of continuation from last Sunday, and I really enjoyed last night. Man, that preacher was good last Sunday. Should have him come more often. Um, uh, but that, the message was good. Um, uh, I, I enjoyed studying. I enjoyed giving that message, and I enjoyed seeing your response at the end of service where people um, just began to spring up well, sing a song and shout, and just let's see the Lord do that, just spring up a well of life and of joy and just connected to the Feast of Tabernacles and everything that was going on and the story of Numbers, a story that maybe we'd all... Maybe we've all read past. We didn't catch the details of. And so I've been on that theme. I've just been, I've been preaching myself all week long to keep doing that. Um, but from reading that, I feel like the Lord had a word for this morning. And so I'm continuing it because it's from the same story of the Israelites in the wilderness. But for me, it's a very different subject that we're going to talk about this morning. And it's a subject that, lo and behold, the enemy didn't want me to talk about because I had to battle this week uh, in preparing for this message. And so um, it goes perfectly with what we're going to talk about. So this morning, um, the title of this morning's message is prepare for deliverance. And the idea is that word deliverance, growing up myself in a charismatic Pentecostal type church, full gospel, whatever word you want to put on that. Um, I, that word deliverance, I'm just being honest with you as a kid, it kind of scared me like, Oh, deliverance ministry. Like I'll go, I'll walk around that ministry. Like I the idea of demons and all that stuff. Like, ah, that's, I, I believe in it. Like I believe it's biblical, but I like, I didn't want to touch that stuff. Like just let me let, love on God and God love on me and we'll be good over there. You know, let me work on the practicals of discipling and all those things. But really this idea of deliverance, I, I'm praying that this morning is we are preparing our hearts and minds to, to be okay with that word deliverance. I love what Daniel said as he opened up worship, right? That we have been saved and one day Jesus will return and save us, right? So we are saved and we will be saved, right? Yes? But we also are in the process of being saved. So it's the same thing with this idea of deliverance, right? I've been delivered. I've been transferred out of darkness into his marvelous light. I am delivered. I am saved. I am free. I am forgiven. It's a finished work. Jesus said, it is finished. So I am delivered. I can say this morning with 100% truth and conviction. I am delivered, right? I am. But the reality is one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to deliver me from this planet, from this earth, from the worldly system, from a sin nature, from this earthly body that's dying and I'm going to have an eternal body that isn't getting older and wrinkles and gray hair. Like I'm going to be delivered from this one day. So I praise God, I am delivered. One day I'm going to be delivered, but I think there's something within us. We need to learn to say, I need deliverance. I am delivered. I need deliverance. It's both. And it's not wrong to say that. And I think so often we think deliverance, this is what I think as a kid growing up in this church, deliverance is like exorcism. Someone that's manifesting a demon and it's all coming out and like, ah, that's scary. I don't want to be around that ministry, right? I think deliverance does encompass that. That's part of deliverance. But part of deliverance is also what I just said this week, preparing for this message, a thought came into my mind. This thought was not my own, but I didn't recognize that at first, right? It sounds silly to say it out loud now, but this week I had this thought come to my mind, wow, that was a really good sermon you gave last Sunday. How are you going to top that one this Sunday, Ryan? You know, and it's amazing. Even Pastor Terry gave me a compliment in front of everybody, and that's, that's a good thing. That was a compliment to, to encourage me that last Sunday's message was a good message. I have no problem saying that. It was a good message. But it's amazing how the enemy twists things, and he says, oh, hi. The idea is he's trying to bring pressure and bring anxiety and fear. And we know that doesn't come from God. But it's amazing how in my mind, I took a hold of that thought. 
Man, that's true. That was a good. How, man, this is going to be hard next Sunday. What am I going to do? I needed deliverance from a thought that wasn't my thought. I'm the pastor of a church and I need deliverance. I'm saying that because I want you to get used to it. We need deliverance. You are delivered. Yes, your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Praise God. Keep saying you're delivered. Keep declaring it. But it's not wrong to say, I need deliverance. Scripture says he surrounds me with songs of deliverance. David said that. You're saying David wasn't saved? He's a man after God's own heart. He said these things. So the reality is, let's kind of get rid of the scary, I don't know, over-the-top, overt deliverance. I, and actually, I'll say this. That is going to happen in this place. There is going to be where it might make you feel uncomfortable. I'm just being honest with you. It's going to happen because I've been praying for it. I need deliverance. But there are people in this world that are possessed by demons and they need a, a huge radical deliverance of transferring darkness into the kingdom of light. And it is something that is biblical. And I'm going to keep saying, I've said it for a couple weeks now. It might seem weird, but it's biblical. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It's coming out of Jesus' mouth. It's coming out of his disciples' mouth. It's all over it. And it's supposed to be happening today. And that's what I want to talk to. I just want to prepare us for it. Maybe today there'll be this huge, someone in this room might get delivered and a demon, we see it's very obvious that a demon leaves this place today. I, praise, I hope that happens. But I also hope that it happens that all of us in this room are just getting to a place where we're prepared for deliverance. We're prepared to see it in someone else's life. We're prepared, yes, God, deliver me. Let it happen in my life. It's not just for those crazy people out there that need deliverance. I need deliverance. You need deliverance. And I want my heart to be prepared for that. And so I love that, that God has been weaving this in since Daniel said it, since my wife said it, since through worship, since through all of this, God is preparing us this morning. This is the word of the Lord this morning. You might feel uncomfortable, like the pastor this week, preparing for it. And I'll be honest with you. Another thought that came to my mind is, Ryan, how many demons have you cast out? How many books have you written on deliverance? Are you sure you can preach on deliverance? Like, this is a heavy subject. Are you sure you're the right person giving this message? Right? That's the enemy. Again, oppressing me, saying you're not qualified. You can't do this. What do you think you're doing? Right? But in the moment, I don't recognize it until I actually submit to God. God, I need you. God, I can't, I can't give a sermon as good as I did last night. That was you preaching last Sunday. It wasn't my eloquence. It wasn't my intellect. It was you gave me a good insight that I enjoyed studying, and you brought more revelation, and then you just shared that revelation through me. God, would you just do that again? Let it not be about me at all, right? And so it doesn't matter if I have any experience. God, you have all the experience. And I just submitted to God. God, I submit this problem to you. I submit this thought. This is not from you. I'm submitting, coming under his authority. And to me, this is the, the I didn't read this, but this is my, my thought. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. This is the, my personal cream of the crop, the best verse in the Bible about spiritual warfare. James 4, 7, the donut man sings it like this. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Right? Grow up singing that song with the donut man. But it's the most profound spiritual warfare verse that we can just apply. This idea of submitting to God. Take every thought captive, subject it. In other words, bring it under the submission of Jesus Christ, right? Oh, wait a second. This thought is not in God. That's not what God thinks about me. 
This was a foreign thought. This is not even my own thought. This was a thought that the enemy planted in my life, and I'm going to submit it to the truth of God's word, the truth of what he says. Oh, wait a second. That's not God. I'm submitting this to God. It's not God. So I'm going to resist. And then he will flee from me. It's a two-part problem, right? It's I first need to submit to God. Too often, I'm under the attack of the enemy. I'm, submit, I'm getting under the influence. I'm oppressed. I'm all these other things because I didn't submit it to God. Amen. If I humble myself, if I come under his truth, under his authority, say, God, what do you think about this? Oh, wait a second. Now I have a role. It's not God just deliver me. Too often, that's all I, we all ever pray. God, just deliver me. Take me out of this problem. Remove the enemy. And he's saying, well, actually just submit to me. And now you have a role. You need to resist. You need to do something. That's what Genoa's getting at, right? It's not just God wave a wand and make something happen. It's God, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour, I need you. And he's saying, all right, great. That's the starting place. Now learn to get up and resist the devil. Because without that two part, he's not fleeing. If all you do, if all your weapon is just a, God, I need you. God, I need you. And you're just this needy person and you never actually know how to stand up and resist, the enemy's like, oh, great, just stay there. Wallowing in your self-shame and pity, and you're a nobody, and you can't do anything. So where did I get this from? Let's turn there. Numbers. We were talking about numbers before, right? You guys remember from last Sunday? They, they, this was the story we were looking at. They, uh, they needed water for the first time. They didn't complain. They actually got it right. And they're getting ready. It's towards the end of their 40 years in the wilderness. So let's go to Numbers 33. And this is them getting even more ready to enter the promised land. And this is the word of the Lord to the Israelites before they go into the promised land. Numbers 33, verse 55. I think I have it. We can throw it up on the, the you can read it in your own Bible, read it up, up, up front, either way. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those who you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Moreover, if it, it shall be that I will do to you as I had thought to do to them. So let's break this down again. Remember the context of the story. They're getting ready to go into the promised land. And God is saying, when you get there, you're going to have to fight. You were slaves and I delivered you out of Egypt. Did the Israelites have to fight Pharaoh? No, they didn't do anything. God delivered them. God did everything. He did all those signs and wonders. He miraculously delivered them. When you were saved, did you have to defeat the devil? No. You, it was, you were saved by grace through faith. That's how you were saved. You were delivered by God's grace. It was God's grace. But now he's saying, all right, you've been a slave. Now you've been wandering in the wilderness. Now you need to learn how to walk out your salvation. Now you need to learn how to drive out the enemy, to resist the devil. You need to learn how to occupy. You need to learn how to advance the kingdom of God. You need to learn how, these are all just, phrases in the Bible, right? This idea that you've got to grow up and mature. You've been delivered and you need to keep being delivered, but it's not all up to God. There's something that God is saying, it's into your hands. And so I love this. It, it points out four things. Did you catch that? If you don't drive out the enemy, what's going to happen to you? Four things. Irritants. They will irritate your eyes, right? Second one thorns in your side. They're going to poke you and bother you and bring pain into your life. I'll, I'll go back to the first one. Irritants in your eyes. I mean, I don't want to re-preach this. I don't want to preach in depth this whole thing because I got a lot more I got to get to. But this idea, I get irritated with the world. I get irritated with dumb people. I get irritated with dumb drivers. I'm not one of them. Everyone else is. Um, I get irritated. 
But really, this thing is irritants to your eyes. It's amazing how if I don't drive out the enemy, the enemy will irritate my eyes and things that are actually blessings from God. Like, man, what is wrong with this thing? A blessing from God. I now have lost my thanksgiving. I've lost, I've lost my forgiveness. I've received forgiveness. And I can't forgive the next person. It's irritating. I don't see properly. I don't see a situation. I, I think, poor me, poor me. And God is saying, it's not poor you. You've been listening to the lies of the enemy. Now your eyes are irritated and you see things the way the enemy wants you to see them. He irritates our eyes. If you don't drive out the enemy, he's going to cause you to look at things in your life different the way you're supposed to. He's a thorn in your side. I get it. Jesus says all the time that, right, that he was a man of sorrows. He's a crane of grief. If you don't have troubles, guess what? I, I had troubles. You're going to have troubles. I get it. There's going to be things that come in your life, but you're not supposed to live a life of pain. And people don't want, I, this is not a prosperity gospel. Don't go there. There's, there's abuse on everything. And I've been praying that the enemy does not allow anyone in this room to get twisted, that this is an abuse on anything. I'm not, I don't want us to be hypersensitive that there's a devil behind every bush, that if something falls, oh, that was the devil. Like, not everything is the devil. I get that. Yes. But at the same time, I don't fall off the side of the horse that everything's the devil. I fall off the other side of the horse that I hardly ever blame the devil for anything. I, I love C.S. Lewis, right? Probably the most intellectual, profound theologians of the last hundred years, right? He wrote the book, I quote often, right? Screw tape letters. I know it's not necessarily straight from scripture. It came out of his mind, this brilliant intellect. What if there is a demon assigned to a Christian's life and he's there to irritate, poke and harass? And what does this younger demon talking to the older demon, the more seasoned demon, he's figuring out, oh, 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 wait a second. The older demon's telling him, no, 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 don't do overt things that it's obvious that you're in his life. You want to remain covert, you want to remain hidden. He's saved. He's got his names written in the Lamb Book of Life. Great, don't worry about that. Just make sure he doesn't get anybody else saved. Just make sure he lives a defeated life. Make sure that he has no joy. Make sure that he has no impact on anything that God wants to do with the kingdom. Let him stay saved. Let him go to church on Sunday. Just don't let him do anything that the pastor says. This brilliant thinker is realizing there probably is a demonic realm that is covertly working in our lives doing things that we are unaware of. And I just want, I want this morning not to be hypersensitive, but I want us to actually get firmly saddled on the horse and realize there is an enemy. Our battle's not against flesh and blood, right? There is something going on and I want us to be engaged. I feel like this is the word of the Lord this morning because it's not just for today. It's preparing for deliverance. Before Jesus returns, I believe the church will be fully functioning the way we're supposed to in a fully functioning deliverance ministry. Is that all we do all day long and that's all we care about? No, I want the full gospel. I want it all. And that's part of it. So we've got to use every single part of God's ministry. All right, so we're talking about these thorns, right? Irritates to harass you. I don't know about you, but we get harassed. And it's not just the consequence of my own sin. It's the enemy. And oh man, okay, I'll say this really quick. I don't want to go... I feel like I'm trying to prepare and I don't want to go too deep in any one thing on, on one Sunday morning. Um, but that last, that last phrase, right, to harass you in the very last one was that what I intended to do to them, I'll end up doing to you. If you don't drive them out, if you don't actually kick out the enemy, you're going to be under the consequences of God's judgment. When you have, okay, I don't want, this is what I'm saying, I don't want to go too deep. 
When I sin, I'll make it about me, not y'all, right? When I sin and I don't quickly repent, it gives legal grounds for the enemy to come and harass me in that area. Okay, I'll say it this way. I, I pray, this is not a, I just, I need to give an example. I praise God, I've never, and I'm, this is not a pat on my back, I hope you hear me. I've never been addicted to pornography. Have I ever looked at a woman with lust in my eyes? Yes, I have. I confess that. But if I choose to look longer at something and I lust and I don't repent and I leave that as it is and I keep walking and that lust was in my life, I was disobedient. And the next time something comes up and I look at it again, I've just now opened up. I have sin. I've not repented. Now the enemy can come in and say, oh, let's create a stronghold here. Let's cause some addiction to happen here. I know God quiet in the room because it's a difficult thing and that's just one of these big major things the enemy does, but it's not just that. It's like I said, it's thought life. It's any type of lie that we come under, we say, okay, I'll believe that lie. Once we believe that lie, once I believe this week, once I believe that I, oh, I can't preach as good as I did last Sunday, if I would have stayed under the influence of that lie, this morning would stink. You guys would be like, what's wrong with Pastor Ryan? Because it would just perpetuate. And the enemy would come to harass in my disobedience. And I just, I'm saying this because I feel like this is an area where all of us need to grow. Where we recognize, wait a second, that's the enemy. And he's harassing me. And I want to be delivered. I don't want to keep walking in that. So I got to get to more verses. I got way too many verses for this morning. So that was Numbers, right? They're, they're headed into, let's look at another one where they're going into the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter seven. It's the same type of story. The Israelites getting in. Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse one and two. When the Lord, God, your Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, I'm gonna skip all these names, seven nations greater and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor show mercy to them. So I love this. It says that God is going to drive them out. And then he says, you are going to destroy them. So which one is it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> God is our deliverer. That is his name. He is a deliverer. He delivers us. He sings songs of deliverance over us. But he's saying, you've got to do something. You've got to get some skin in the game. You've got to destroy the enemy. You've got to resist him. You've got to kick him out. You've got to do something. And I love that it says this, because to me, these are prophetic words. You shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. I say that about myself. When that thought this week came out, I'm saying, no, I'm going to utterly destroy you, enemy. This is an area you keep doing this to me. You keep coming in the same area to make me feel inferior and unqualified when I go to preach. So you did it this one time. I'm not just going to conquer you this one week. I'm going to start. I'm going to utterly destroy you. So the next time you come, it's not even going to stay for one second in my brain. I'm going to destroy you so that you have no effect on my, my thought life whatsoever in this area. Right? In pornography, whatever it is, I'm not just going to be successful today. I'm going to utterly destroy you. And I'm going to be like King David. I killed Goliath. And I'm going to use Goliath's sword to now go attack other enemies. I'm going to help other people get set free. You attack me in this area, I'm going to experience so much freedom that I'm going to bring freedom to other people. That's this prophetic declaration. God is saying you're going to utterly destroy them. 
It's not, oh man, keep reading. All right, Deuteronomy, we're at verse one and two. Skip towards the end, verse 22 and 24. It says this. And the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you little by little, and you will be unable to destroy them at once, lest the beasts of the field become too numerous for you. But the Lord your God will deliver them over to you and will inflict defeat upon them until they are destroyed. And he will deliver their kings into your hand and you will destroy their name from under heaven. No one shall be able to stand against you until you have destroyed them all. Both in here. He's saying that you're gonna go and little by little. Again, this idea that we constantly need deliverance. Every day in my life, I need deliverance because it's a process. But he's also saying in the same breath, you're going to utterly destroy them. So which one is it? Yes. There's things in my life that I am called to utterly destroy. But it doesn't, until I meet Jesus face to face, I will be in the process of finding the next thing I'm going to destroy. Finding the next demon that tries to harass me that I'm going to destroy. It's a never ending process. And it might seem harsh or not fun for you, but it's biblical. You'll never be done resisting the devil. It's a, it's a lifelong process. Until he is cast into the lake of fire, you and I on this planet are on an ongoing process of resisting the devil, of making him flee. Sometimes little by little, sometimes it's a great grand victory. It's both. Some of you have testimonies. I, I mean, I can just keep going in the room, but I don't want to call too many people out, but uh, like Vincent, he'll tell you, he was literally worshiping the devil, singing songs, completely consumed in everything that is there is evil. And he was radically delivered, radically delivered. And he's here today on our worship team. Praise God. That's a radical deliverance. But I praise God he has enough wisdom to know he's not done. He's growing and maturing. And I got to pray over him, I don't know, just a couple of weeks ago. And just, I got to see things prophetically in his life where he's going to keep crushing the deeds of darkness under his feet. He's going to keep going, keep advancing. And so that's this morning. I want us to understand part of us advancing in the kingdom of God is destroying the works of the devil. It's just part of the process. It's not some fringe subject. It's part of what we're supposed to do. When I say fringe, let me get to the verse. Is it this one? Yes, 1 John 3. 1 John 3, 7, 9. We'll go there. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. I love this. Don't be tricked. Don't be deceived. Don't be ignorant. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. But the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Why did Jesus come to earth? To destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. If you have an area of your life that you repeatedly keep falling into sin, I'm not saying your name's not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I'm saying in that area, you are under the influence of the devil because as a child of God, your new nature is to glorify God, to do what is right. And that's what he's saying in the scripture. You have a new nature. You used to have a sin nature where everything in you was bent to doing something opposite of God. Now you have a new nature. You are a new creation. Behold, all things are gone. All old things are being made new, right? 
So you have a new nature where you have a bent to please God. So if there's an area in your life where you keep on sinning, it says it's under the authority of the devil. And you need deliverance out of that area where he no longer has the authority over you. That's what I'm talking about, deliverance. There might be something, again, where a demon manifests and we cast out that demon. Great. But I'm talking about every area of our life. I guess I feel like I'm supposed to give more examples. I won't say which one, but one of my four kids this last week, they went to bed and within just less than a minute of going to bed, they quickly came back to the living room to talk to mom and dad. And they said, as soon as they laid down, they felt fear. They felt, they felt oppression and there was tears. When this child was four years old, I did everything I could to be the deliverer. I prayed, quoted scripture, anointed. We did things until they were healthily in the presence of God, felt the peace of God, and went back to sleep. My child is no longer a three-year-old. He needs to learn. Oh, I said he, so now you got to treat one of the three. Um, he needs to learn how to do this on his own. So I just say, get over and go back to bed. No. I said, I'm so glad you recognize that. I'm so glad you recognize that's not God. You, you recognize there's something that's not right and you're asking for help. That is the best thing you could do. So now let me tell you some truth. Let me give you some scriptures. Let me pray with you. But you need to go listen to a worship song. You need to go read some scripture. You need to, before you go back to bed, you need to do something where you resist the devil. I'm with you to submit to God. Let's do that together. Now you actually resist the devil and you go to bed knowing how to do this on your own. This is what I'm saying as a dad of a biological kid. I feel like as this church, I want us to learn how to do that. And am I the end all telling everyone how to do spiritual warfare and deliverance? No, I'm learning too. But we've got to grow in this. I'm connecting it to the billion soul harvest that I'm believing before Jesus returns. I'm believing it's part of it just as we tasted, I'm saying my family, this family, we got to see some miracles happen the last couple of weeks of, of a broken collarbone miraculously being healed. Praise God for that. I'm believing for the same thing with some deliverance. We're gonna start seeing more and more deliverance. And it's not to be scary. It's to start saying, okay, we're prepared for this. We're ready to bring people from the world who need God and they need deliverance. And we have a ministry here where we're ready for that. We've done it in our own lives. I did it with my kids while they go to bed. So, okay, I can do the next step. I can go to the next step. But it's not just me, the pastor. It's not like you bring someone that needs deliverance to the pastor and the pastor does it. No, we all do this. We all are the saints working the ministry. Hmm. Did I read this one? Oh, really quick, just so you have the context, because I said this already. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. So this is biblical, giving you the grounds for what I said earlier. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble, which, we came, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in our life, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You catching that? He already had delivered them. This is Paul talking about, I've already been delivered, but I'm going through a trial right now where I almost suicidal thoughts are happening, where it's just, it's overwhelming. And praise God, he is delivering me right now, and one day he will deliver me. It's all, he is the God who was and is and is to come. 
until I'm in glory, I need his deliverance. A lot of you guys know Matthew 6, the Lord's model prayer, right? He teaches his disciples how to pray. And in that model prayer, what does he say? He teaches his disciples to say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Wait a second, in red letters, Jesus is teaching you to pray for your own deliverance. Wait, I'm already saved. Yes, and Jesus is saying to his disciples who are Christ followers, pray daily for deliverance. From what? From the evil one. There is a real demonic realm that we need deliverance from. From red letters. It gets further. I'll, I'll go there really quick. So that was Matthew chapter 6. Later on, Matthew chapter 10. Some of us know this story. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. says this, And when Jesus had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases. Without going to great study, but his disciples, they had the power to cast out demons, right? You believe the scripture, right? Disciples had the power to cast out demons. It wasn't just Jesus. The 12 disciples did this. Biblical. This is actually before Jesus died and rose again, before Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit came to fill us with power from on high. They were doing this. Jesus gave them authority. But I love that it, that word disciples, you look it up in the Greek, it means the 12 disciples, but also all throughout the New Testament, it's just a general term for Christ followers. It's you and me, not just the 12 apostles. I'm not an apostle. So, I, you know, casting out demons, that's for like the elites. That's for the Pope and that's for like the spiritual elites. No, it's just for anyone who follows Jesus. And if you look up that word disciple in the Greek, it says, oh, I'll read it to you. A disciple is a learner. One who follows both the teaching and the teacher. I love that. One who follows the teaching and the teacher. If Jesus did it, I'm supposed to do it. That's the epitome of what Jesus says to his disciples all the time. You saw what I did, disciples? You're going to do even greater things. Whatever Jesus did, he is the perfect model. It's not just a, a prayer he gave us to pray, deliver us from the evil one. It's the life he lived. Jesus' life is a model for us to live after. Did Jesus cast out demons? Yes. Did he love sinners? Yes. Did he have compassion? Yes. It's everything. I'm not saying that's all we're supposed to do, but it needs to be a part of what we do. And if it's not a part of what we do, then we're in air. I'm in air. I don't want to say you. I, I want to make this harsh like I'm pointing. I'm saying I'm preaching to myself this morning. Because as, like I said, as a little kid, I just like, I wanted to shy away from this. And even preparing for this message, the enemy knew that. And it's trying to make me shy away from it. I'm saying, I'm not shying away from it. I want the whole gospel. I want everything. I want everything Jesus did. I want to do it. Because I want a name for myself? Because I want people to look at me? No. I just want to please him. I just want to give him glory. I want to, I want to be truthfully, I want to be honest and full of truth when I'm able to say what Jesus said. I only say and I only do what I see my father do. I want to be able to say that about Jesus. I only do and I only say, Ryan only says what he hears Jesus say. He only does what he sees Jesus do. And if Jesus did it, I'm going to do it. So that was the 12 disciples. That was Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Luke chapter 10, verse 1 tells us another story. Luke 10, 1. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. All right, so this isn't the 12 apostles. This is now 
70 others, sending him out in groups of two before he goes into those cities to minister to them. And he gives them power. Skip towards the end of the few verses, verse 17. This is the Passion Translation. When the 70 returned to Jesus, they were ecstatic with joy, telling him, Lord, even the demons obeyed us when we commanded them in your name. Jesus replied, while you were ministering, I watched Satan topple until he fell suddenly from heaven like lightning to the ground. Now you understand that I have imparted to you my authority to trample over his kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you, before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. What a prophetic word. I'm going to have to read that again. You will trample upon every demon before you and overcome every power Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will harm you as you walk in this authority. However, your real source of joy isn't merely that these spirits submit to your authority, but that your names are written in the journals of heaven and that you belong to God's kingdom. This is the true source of your authority. Then Jesus, overflowing with the Holy Spirit's joy, exclaimed and shouted, Father, thank you, for you are Lord supreme over heaven and earth. You've hidden the great revelation of this authority from those who are proud, those wise in their own eyes, and you've shared it with these who humbled themselves. Yes, Father, this is what pleases your heart, to give these things to those who are like trusting children. He gave authority to people who humbled themselves, who said, I'll be like a child. It wasn't for the proud. It wasn't for those, those that had status in the church. He gave authority to those that said, God, I just want to please you. I just want to do whatever you did, Jesus. And my life is yours. I'm submitted to you. I will do whatever you ask of me. And Jesus is praising his father. Thank you, God, that you gave this great authority to trample every demon to the humble. Not to the self-righteous, not to the proud, not to the ones who lord it over other people, but to those who just want to please you, Father. You've given this authority to them. That's what I love about God's word. It mixes things. The, the kingdom of God sometimes is upside down. Sometimes it mixes things that seem that they're opposite. But if you want power, you've got to humble yourself. You want to be the greatest, you've got to become the last. You want to have authority over demons, you've got to learn how to humble yourself and submit to God. And I love that he uses those words, children. Growing up, I, like I said, I got four kids. I love when my kids, when they were so much younger, now they're teenagers, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but when they were little kids, they wanted to be like dad. Whatever dad was doing, they wanted to do, right? Noelle, like her mom. Mom was cooking in the kitchen and she wanted a toy kitchen in her bedroom and she would go cook and clean in her room, right? Whatever mom was doing, she wanted to do the same thing. She had babies, take care of babies, right? The boys, they wanted tools. They wanted power tools, chainsaws and whatever else they wanted to do what dad was doing. I love that. I think there's something about God the Father's heart that he loves something about in me that used to be afraid of a deliverance ministry, but that somehow something within me is God. If that's what you want, I just want to be like you, Jesus. Even though I do it with fear and trembling and I don't, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just submitting to you, God. May it please you to see my heart. That it's not to make a name for myself. It's not to make a name for Osborne. It's just to please you. There's people that are in bondage that need freedom. And my heart yearns to see people set free. 
I got to wrap this up, but a verse I preached, I don't know how many times the first year I became pastor, and one that probably comes to my mind more than any other verse when I think about being the pastor and praying over the church is the same verse that Jesus quoted when he started his ministry. I have to remind myself, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me and has anointed me. It's not in my intellect, it's not in my ability, it's not in my experience. It's just, God, you chose me. I, I didn't pick myself for this. I'm just yours. And when your Holy Spirit comes upon me, you've anointed me for ministry to heal broken hearts. There are people that are wounded, that are harassed by the enemy, and they need to be set free. They need healing. You've anointed me to heal the broken hearts, to bring good news to the poor, to set the captives free. And there's something within the spirit of Ryan that wants to see deliverance. It's not in my flesh. It's not in my intellect. It's this deep thing that's crying out to deep. God, we've got to see deliverance. I need an increase of it in my own life, in this church, in the world, everywhere I go. I want to be a deliverer. I know you are the deliverer, but you called Moses to be a deliverer. You called David to be a deliverer. You called every hero in the Bible to be some form of a deliverer. So God, use me. As the worship team comes up to help us close off the service, two things. I want you to think about something in just a second. I'm going to give you time to ask the Lord something. But before I do, I've shared with you, man, that God has increased my dream life and visions, and I'm, I'm excited to see other people in the, in the congregation that are increasing in that. And um, I think I shared with you, was it last Sunday or two Sundays ago? Tracy had a word, and then, oh, it was two Sundays ago, because last Sunday she gave me this word that she saw last Sunday, and I saw her giving Pastor Nick a word. I don't know what that is yet, but it probably goes right along. But she saw a field full of gray, just blah, all one color, dead flowers. No life in them. But she saw the sun come up. And as the sun was coming up and illuminating lights on this gray, dark field of death, these flowers began to turn green, began to grow. And they were sunflowers, and so the sunflowers turned towards the sun. And eventually, the sunflowers were picked and taken all over the place to reflect the sun, to bring sunlight into other people's lives. I believe that's a prophetic vision for what God is doing and wanting to do in this place. That we sang that song this morning, I ran out of that grave where I used to be dead in this area of my life, where the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy, and there was no joy in this area. The sun is coming. The son of God is coming with healing in his wings. And he's going to heal this dark area of my life and I'm going to come alive and I'm not just going to come alive for myself I'm going to learn how to bring that life to other people and bring deliverance to other people's life I'm not only afraid of deliverance for myself I'm no longer afraid to bring deliverance to other people and so I do I just I want this to be a holy moment before we sing a last song we end service I gave you examples of deep, dark addictions, of just a quick thought of having a hard time going to sleep, but would you just close your eyes for a second and let's ask the Holy Spirit to search and, and just reveal if there's something that we need deliverance in our life.
Maybe it's that sin that you just keep coming back to God and you just don't have victory over that sin and it's driving you nuts and you want to be set free today. Maybe it's something that's been a hurt from so many years ago from your childhood that you don't even have the recognition in your own brain to associate that you have anger problems because of a wound caused to you when you were a child. Whatever it is, Holy Spirit, right now, would you prepare my heart for deliverance? God, I, I declare again, I am free. I am saved. I am delivered. But I take you at your word that one day you're going to completely deliver me out of this world. And until then, you are still my deliverer day after day. Little by little, I'm taking ground. I'm not going to stay where I am. I'm going to inhabit and forcefully advance the kingdom of God. You've given me authority. And today I'm going to wield your authority. So if you've, the Holy Spirit's brought that to your mind and you have something specific. Would you be the first to stand, to stand where you're at? If you've got something specific that you want deliverance from, be the first to stand. I'm going to invite for everyone to stand now. We're going to sing a song because we all need deliverance. The Lord is here and in this place to make himself known as a deliverer today and increasingly tomorrow and the next day. We need you to be our deliverer. So Holy Spirit, thank you for revealing those things so that we can be set free. We know the truth this morning and knowing the truth is what sets us free. We are in the light. Bring us fully into your light this morning, God. In Jesus' mighty name, before we sing this song, I'm just gonna make it known, we'll dismiss after this song, but if you need prayer or you want prayer, we're just gonna have some leaders up here up front just to pray with you during this last song. And I just thank God that he is delivering us today. Amen. Would you sing this song? And if you need prayer, come on up.